Hello, Stars fans, and welcome back to another episode of a Clean Skate podcast. This is episode 43. We are racking up the episode numbers, and this is a jam-packed episode. I've got three games to talk about since I wasn't able to get to the Wednesday game versus the Coyotes because, you know, I was recording it when it was going on. So I'm just going to skip over all of the pleasantries and just get right into it, get down to the nitty gritty. So like I said, the game I will be starting off with is the Stars Wednesday game versus the Coyotes. They are on a homestand right now. We have Aiden Hill versus Ben Bishop in net. And we start off the game strong. The Stars get a couple of early power plays. Tyler Sagan with some really good looks on the power play. Unfortunately, none of them go in. However, that momentum does carry over because 2 minutes and 19 seconds in on the power play, Corey Perry scores his fifth of the season. It is a seam pass by Gurianov over to Hintz. They've actually switched sides now. Instead of Gurianov, for some reason, open on the right side for the one-timer. He is on the left side. He throws it over to Hintz, who immediately throws a touch pass over to Corey Perry, who just, you know, just a nice little tap-in backdoor. No one's anywhere near him. The goalie was out to try and play the one-timer. Perry just a little, just a little bink, just right into the net. Just beautiful to give the Stars the one nothing lead. The Stars are definitely leading in grade A scoring chances. The Coyotes were sort of just throwing everything at the net, but the Stars definitely, I felt, were having the better quality of chances than the Coyotes. Actually seemed that because of that, that the Stars were going to go up to nothing. Jamie Benn scored on a beautiful shot from the slot, but the goal is then challenged for offside, and this is one of those ones where you look at it, and it's not like where, you know, oh, come on, he was a quarter of an inch offsides there. Why is that called back? That's so dumb. Gurionov was a good four or five feet into the zone before he gained control of the puck. The puck was actually behind him. He was going so fast when he entered the zone. So the goal is overturned, and the Stars are still holding on to that one nothing lead going into the first intermission. The Coyotes were throwing everything at the net in that first period. Shots are 21 to 13 for the Coyotes after that first. And then unfortunately, we get to some ugliness. Jamie Benn did not forget the hit that Oliver Ekman Larson threw on him in a earlier Coyotes game this season, and he absolutely smokes Ekman Larson from behind. He is then ejected from the game. And the Coyotes go on to a five-minute major power play. And on that power play, Taylor Hall scores his 15th of the season, which is 7.28 left in that second period. It's a really good pass from the boards back up to the point. The point sends it over to Taylor Hall. And through a screen, he absolutely snipes it short side through traffic nothing bishop could do on that one just a beautiful shot by hall to tie the game at one luckily about three minutes later again on the power play radic faxa scores his 11th of the season he's honestly having a sneaky solid season uh, especially because he's playing bottom six minutes he's got 11 goals on the season he's he's good he, he plays in all situations and this second power play unit is Licking. Corey Perry receives a rim pass around behind the net from Rupe Hints. He then throws it directly out to the slot where Foxa is just cruising in alone. No, no one even pressuring him at all. And he hoists a backhander far side past Hill 
to regain that two to one lead. Unfortunately, that lead is short lived because with a minute 48 left in the second period, Fisher scores his sixth of the season. It's a D to D shot on net that is saved by Bishop that is then deflected back into Fisher and just sort of trickles over Bishop. Originally, it looked like Hall might have touched it because he cruised in behind Bishop as he was falling over, but he never got a stick on it. So it was Fisher's goal and heading into the third period, the game is tied at two. The shots are 34 to 25 for the Coyotes after that second period. The third period starts to go by. It's a relatively tighter checking game. And then with 8.22 left in the third period, Jamie Alexiak scores his third of the season. It's a really good three-man passing play uh, at the right boards near the point just to sort of free themselves up. And the puck then is passed over to... Alexiak by Yanmark. Alexiak has time and space. He sort of takes one stride into the high slot and then takes a half clapper past the screen post and in to again give the Stars a one goal lead. The Stars are then able to close it down, hold the fort, and come away with a one goal win, a 3-2 win over the Coyotes. The shots at the end of this one are 41-33 to for the Coyotes. The Stars go two for two on their power play and two for three on the penalty kill. And just, again, another solid team effort all the way around, especially after losing Jamie Benn early in that second period. So let's get some music. So after that solid kickoff to the Stars homestand, they go up. They are tied for first in the division with the St. Louis Blues, this is a huge measuring stick game. The importance of this game could not be stressed against the Blues at home. This is, you know, potential playoff matchup right here. Not to mention just revenge for what they did to the Stars in that incredible seven-game series in last season's playoffs. So I was expecting a really solid effort from the boys. Uh, Alex Petrangelo is even out for the Blues in this game, so even more of a chance to open it up. Bishop versus Jake Allen. They started Jake Allen against us. I was, I mean, I know Jake Allen's having a decent season, but really, Jake Allen, you're not even going to put Bennington in net. They might be nervous. That's all I'm saying. And unfortunately, all that shit talking I just did leads to Alexander Steen scoring his seventh of the season, just 548 into the first period. It is a point shot that is saved, rebound picked up by the Blues as a scramble circled around behind the net, thrown back in front, and before Bishop can recover, Steen puts it past him to give the Blues a quick one nothing lead and that shot rebound uh goal is going to be a theme through this game the period continues um the blues and stars are exchanging chances the stars actually got up to a four shot lead in the first five minutes and then they didn't get another shot till almost five minutes left in the first period and then david perron scores his 24th of the season with just 243 left in the first period it's a turnover behind the net, sloppy play by the Stars. Back to the point, shot, save, scramble for the puck, and David Perron smashes in the rebound into the open net. So again, there's a shot from a point. Bishop can't control the rebound. Blues put away the loose puck. Lindell had an opportunity on a shorthanded breakaway. He didn't get a good chance off, but Allen did manage to save him 
on that one. And the shots are 10 to 6 for the Blues after the first period. Then just 2.24 into the second period, Jordan Cairo scores his third of the season. Steven Johns enters the Blues zone and then is stripped. They then throw a pass up to Cairo, who comes in one-on-one with Alexiak. Alexiak is facing the wrong way. His feet are turned, and Cairo just walks around him and snipes it far side on Bishop. And it didn't stop there. Just two minutes and 21 seconds later, Jaden Schwartz scores his 20th of the season. It's a quick developing three on two for the Blues into the zone. It's a cross ice feed by O'Reilly over to Schwartz. He takes one second to dust the puck off and then smashes it again far side on Bishop to give the Blues a 4-0 lead. It is then Bishop is out, Anton Hudobin goes in, and the Blues are all over the Stars now, not what we wanted to see against this Blues team. James Schwartz then hits a post, so the Stars are even getting lucky, but they are just not generating any offense. The Blues are smothering the life out of the Stars, and the shots are 21-13 for the Blues after the second period. The third period comes along, and the Stars definitely start to play better but Colton Pareko scores his seventh of the season in the third period. Schwartz enters the zone. He button hooks once he's entered the zone, passes it back to Pareko, who is all alone at the point. He smashes another one-timer past Hudobin. I think this is his third goal against Hudobin this season. Uh, basically all from that spot, all just smashing one-timers. Past him, just bombs. Nothing Hudobin can do on him. And the Blues take a 5-0 lead over the Stars. Luckily, the Stars managed to break Alan Shuddock's streak. Jamie Alexiak scores his third of the season, which means I actually got it wrong. In the last game, he scored his second goal of the season versus the Coyotes. He then scores his third goal of the season here versus the Blues. He scored him back-to-back games now which is 3.33 left in the game. It's just a floater from the point that manages to sneak past Allen. Nothing fancy. And the Stars lose this one 5-1. The shots are 23-19 for the Blues. The Stars go 0-4 for 4 on the power play and 1-1 for 1 on the penalty kill. And they drop to a record of 35-20-6. And, and they slip out of that first place spot with the Blues. We were close, but man, that was... That was an ugly, ugly game, and I think the Stars deserve this L. Luckily, the Stars didn't have too much time to wallow in that tough loss to the Blues, because only a few days later, they have to turn around and play again. Another divisional rival, though with less implications in the standings, the Chicago Blackhawks. This one, we have Anton Hudobin versus Corey Crawford, and Andrew Cogliano was honored for playing his 1,000th game in the National Hockey League at this game. It was actually really cool. He had his dog, Charlie, on the ice with his family as well. I thought that was awesome. He is a very, very cute chocolate lab named Charlie. He is my favorite. Not to be overdramatic, but I would die for Charlie. It is a tight-checking opening 10 minutes between the Hawks and the Stars. I believe there's only three combined shots through the first five, six minutes of it. And luckily, the Stars are able to break through with just 440 left in the first period. Joe Pavelski scores his 14th of the season. 
It's a face-off win that comes to Radulov in the slot. He sort of hoists a backhander on net that is knocked down in front by Pavelski before it even gets on net, and then he shelves it past Crawford from in tight. Really good job by him to elevate that quickly from that tight as he did. And the Stars dominate the first period from there. Hudobin is holding everything. Every shot that comes at him is just sticking to him, and he's not dropping anything. And the shots are 12 to 10 for the Stars after the first period. Kane is then stopped on a partial breakaway in the second period. He goes to the backhand and tries to roof it. I think Hudobin sort of knew that's what he was going to try and do and covered it well. Then back the other way, Esselin Dell comes on. He splits the middle. He's had some good lucks in the last couple of games. He rips a backhander that pings off the crossbar, off the post, and stays out, though it looked like he scored. And then, unfortunately, Dominic Kubalik scores his 26th of the season on a four-on-three power play in the second. It's Duncan Keith over to Patrick Kane on the left side. He throws a cross-seam pass. It's hard to cover all the, the passing lanes when the, you've only three penalty killers. Kubalik just smashes a one-timer past Dudovan. Nothing he can do on that one. And the Hawks tie up at one. Luckily, with just 3.31 left in the second period, Tyler Sagan scores his 15th of the season. Jamie Benn enters a zone and just shields off the defender with his big body. Jamie Benn, you'll notice, played in the St. Louis game as well as in this game because he was not suspended for his hit on Ekman Larson, and a lot of people were upset about that one. I'm just going to go no comment. I'm going to leave that one up to you guys. And I'm not going to comment on it because, man, you know what? It's nice to have Jamie Benn in the lineup still. He then throws a drop pass to Corey Perry, who sort of taps the puck out of midair. He sort of juggles it right to Sagan, who's standing on the doorstep. And he smashes the puck in to regain the one goal lead. The Stars are up 2-1 in this one. Matthias Janmark comes in on a breakaway and is stopped. He actually doesn't really get a shot off on the breakaway. The ref gives him a penalty shot and Crawford stops him on that as well. So unfortunately, the Stars still have that 2-1 lead heading into the third period. The shots are 23-22 for the Hawks after two. Alexander Radulov just misses on a wraparound in the third period. Gurionov is stopped on a breakaway. But for the most part, the Stars held the fort. They got a little bit scrambly there in that last five minutes. But, you know, they, they played their defensive system. Hudobin was fantastic. And they walk away with another one goal win, a 2-1 victory over the Blackhawks. The shots were 32-33 for the Stars. The Stars go 4-5 for five on the penalty kill, and they didn't have a single power play in this one. You're telling me the Chicago Blackhawks played a perfect, clean game of hockey in this one. I don't think so. I don't think a hockey game should ever go without a penalty for at least one both sides. I just think that's dumb because there's no way the Hawks played a perfect game in this one. But... I will let it go because we won, and the stars improved to 36, 20, and 6. Cue the music. Hey guys, I just want to pop in and talk about my friends at Southern Scholar. Southern Scholar is a hockey player-owned menswear company based in Dallas. In fact, their founder still plays hockey several times a week in the local beer leagues in Dallas. They're a menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with a better dress sock option through their monthly subscription or their shop. Simply put, Southern Scholar makes the best dress socks in the world, seriously. Crafted with their one-of-a-kind signature material blend and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns, 
Their socks are built specifically to stay in place throughout your workday and add a subtle, sophisticated twist to your everyday attire. Included with each pair is their signature style card containing tips, tricks, and styling recommendations to help you best pair your socks to get the most out of your look every time. Southern Scholar brings you a unique yet professional dress sock which can be worn in the most prestigious of environments. Their socks have the perfect combination of stretch, softness, and breathability, providing a true mid-calf fit that stays in place throughout your entire workday. You can join their monthly sock club and enjoy all your member benefits like lower prices, exclusive sales, and access to their member shop, or you'd shop their collection without a subscription. Either way, you'll be saving money using code THPN. That's THPN like the Hockey Podcast Network. And guys, I just want to say I have a couple pairs of these and man, they look so good. And then you just put them on. They're engineered to form fit your foot and leg and to stay up on your calf all day. So if you're wearing dress pants, you don't have to worry about reaching down to pull up your socks because they've started to scooch down and they feel uncomfortable. These things fit well. They look amazing. And I hope you guys enjoy them as much as I have. And that will take us over to this week's player profile. You guys voted on Twitter, and it was a unanimous vote, I believe, this time between Yol Curvy Ranta and Taylor Fadud. And no one wants me to talk about Curvy Ranta. So this week's player profile is on Taylor Fadud. I hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> Taylor Fadoon was born June 4th, 1988. He's currently 31 years old. He's from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, standing at just six foot, 201 pounds. He shoots right. He began his playing career playing in Alberta in the 2004-2005 season. He played for the Fort Saskatchewan Raiders in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. In 2005-06, he played again for the Fort Saskatchewan Raiders. He then went undrafted in the 2006 entry draft, and then he returned to the AJHL and played for the Spruce Grove Saints, where he led the team in points. The following season, he decided to go to college. He played for the Princeton Tigers in the NCAA Division I. He played Four seasons for them, finishing as their captain and finishing with a mechanical engineering degree. After having four solid seasons with the Princeton Tigers, he caught the eye of Edmonton Oilers and on March 8th, 2011, he signed a two-year contract with them. Unfortunately for him, in the following preseason, he was doing quite well. He broke his femur and was out for the rest of the season. He then returned for the following season and played the entire season in the AHL for the Oklahoma City Barons for the following season. November 5th, 2013, he scored his first NHL goal versus Florida. And at the end of that season, he did not receive a qualifying offer from the Oilers, so he became a free agent. And on July 1st, 2014, he signed a one-year contract with San Jose, where he played in their AHL system. The following season, again, July 1st, 2016, he signed again another one-year deal with Buffalo, where he played in their AHL system. November 10th, 2018, he was then traded from Buffalo to Dallas for a conditional 
seventh round pick in the 2020 draft. November 23rd, 2018, he made his Stars debut, but he primarily played in the AHL or was carried as a spare by the Stars. June 27th, 2019, he then signed a two-year, two-way extension with the Dallas Stars, so he is now going to be here for this season and next season. He did win a few awards back in his college days. In 2010, he was the Eastern College Athletic Conference second team, and in 2011, he was named to the, the Eastern College Athletic Conference first team. He then in 2011 was also named to the All-American second team as well. And that does it for this week's player profile on Taylor Fadoon. There is not much, you know, the, these later players that haven't played a ton or really have only played in the AHL and stuff like that. There's not going to be a ton of stuff for me to dig up on them. But I thought it was really interesting that he, you know, went to college and even graduated with a degree. You don't see that very often. So I think that's really cool that he he has that degree and he, you know, is probably one of the most educated players on the team. So I hope you guys enjoyed this player profile. Again, I'm sorry it wasn't, you know, a super long one, but I enjoyed, uh, you know, I enjoyed researching and, and looking up these, you know, lesser known players. And be sure to vote in next week's player profile so you guys can have a say in who I talk about. We're reaching the bottle of the barrel here. So be sure to vote. You can Find it on this podcast Twitter account at CleanSkatePod on Twitter. And now that brings us to the NHL news from around the league. We've got a couple headlines here. First off, Alexander Ovechkin has broken 700 goals. He is on the hunt for Wayne Gretzky's record, and I'm sure he will be in this headline segment many more times to come because the dude can't stop scoring. In other news, probably one of the coolest stories from this season and from the past season since Scott Foster, if you guys remember, the backup goalie that went in and played for the Blackhawks against the Jets at home. This time in a little bit different, the Carolina Hurricanes are visiting the Toronto Maple Leafs and both James Reimer and Peter Mrazek have to leave the game with injury. And the 43-year-old Zamboni driver for the Maple Leafs, the emergency backup goalie, has to go in and play over half the game. He goes midway through the second period, and he allows the first two shots on net to go in to bring the Maple Leafs to within one, and then he stops the eight rest shots that come his way to win his first game and that is oh man it's so good on so many levels first off it is an incredible story for this just the zamboni driver for the leafs it takes sometimes he takes shots in leaf practice to get in and make saves and actually win an nhl game and playing like a decent amount of it too it's an amazing you know testament to the carolina hurricanes for being able to play as strong defense as they did and man oh man this has sent leafs nation into just the biggest frenzy the biggest meltdown of all time and twitter is such a fun place to be right now because you sit there and you watch them oh it's so embarrassing Oh, man, it, it, you're right. It is embarrassing. You just lost a game to a 42-year-old goalie. And I get you only had 10 shots on him. But, man, really? You only managed to shoot 10 pucks at the guy? I mean, 
It's an incredible story, and I thought that's something that needed to be mentioned. And, you know, it sounds like the Hurricanes are going to fly him out to the next home game so he can hype up the crowd. And the Hurricanes are becoming such a just just a classy organization. The more and more I see it and and hear things that they do and see see the way they act and treat people, the more and more I just can't help but like you know, just the mentality around the hurricane. So I thought that was a really, really cool story. And with trade deadline coming down, actually probably by the time you guys are listening to this, trade deadline is either just a few hours away from being over or have already passed. So just to sum up some of the bigger moves, Ilya Kovalchuk was traded to the Capitals for a third round pick. The Winnipeg Jets got Cody Eakin from the Vegas Golden Knights for a conditional fourth round pick. And the Boston Bruins got Andre Kasha for David Backus, Axel Anderson, and a first round pick. And that is going to do it for this NHL news. We've got one upcoming game before the next episode. We've got a Monday game versus the Carolina Hurricanes. This is actually, now that I, now that I put two and two together here, uh, David Ayers, the backup goalie, the emergency backup goalie that went in against the Leafs will probably be the person hyping up the crowd against the Dallas Stars here in this game. So be sure to look out for that one at the beginning of the game. That'll be super cool to see him. And I'm sure, you know, they'll, they'll show highlights of it during the broadcast and stuff like that. But that is going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed. Uh, be sure to go and, you know, leave a comment, maybe rate the podcast and, you know, the Hockey Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way. And be sure to be on the lookout for more giveaways and contests and just, you know, all the other fun content that the Hockey Podcast Network gives out. You can get updates for that on Twitter. That is at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. You can then follow this podcast so I can chirp you guys on Twitter. That is at clean skate pod as well and go subscribe to our patreon with lots of cool features that just look up the hockey podcast network on patreon and you will find us and i hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and i'll talk to you cowpokes in the next one